When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ebony. Thing together. Uh, wait, wait, Monet, is yes. that your voice? Yes. Uh, excuse me, I need to phone my agent. I was informed I would be with Bob the Drag Queen, a oh, real God. winner. <laughs> well, people are calling me now, apparently, by um, the fans' account. I am now the only winner of All Stars 4. Why would they say that? I have no idea, but that's what they're saying now. Oh, okay. So you've been speaking with your family a lot. <laughs> Y'all, what is up? You guys are tuning into the inaugural episode of Ebony and Irony. With Lady Bunny and Monet Exchange. I wish now, I could exchange I want you guys to, my host. <laughs> I want you guys to guess who is who is Irony and who is Ebony. Just take a wild guess. Bunny, what do you think? I feel like I'm more Irony. I think you that's a racist Ebony. question. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just to give y'all like a little, I guess, a little backstory between Bunny and I. I, of course, grew up um, in in New York City nightlife. Wait, of the wait, 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 wait. You grew up? <laughs> I've seen your shows. 
You haven't grown up. <laughs> of the legendary creature that is Lady Bunny. I've known of her reach and her stardom. And I've always been obsessed with Lady Bunny via pictures, but I never met Bunny. And then um, I don't remember the first time. Well, I know the first time I saw you, but I don't remember the first time we like met met. The first time I saw you, I was going to the Monster. I was early for my gig, which is on a Sunday. And I went down those spiral stairs and behind, well, she was supposed to be behind the, behind the DJ booth, but she was on the dance floor doing the bunny shuffle, as I go, as 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 I like to call it, and because um, you were hosting your disco dance Sunday party, and that was the first time I ever saw you in real life. I was like, oh my god, look at her! And um, well, honey, but, when yeah. you can't mix, you you need a gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll run out and twirl and you know I, it gives me the chance to hear the music of my generation with people from my generation I remember seeing you uh, Monet was at, in the downstairs at Manhattan Center when we were doing one of those big touring drag shows and you just came in to say hi to Bob um, <laughs> with the posse and I I, I uh Tried to say hi to you, but you didn't look too interested. That is not I true, Betty. That is not true. And therefore intimidating. <laughs> I don't see a joke there. <laughs> but since then, of course, Bunny and I have worked a bunch together. We did the Haters Road together. And I filled in for you hosting Work the World one, t- one time. And I don't think I've ever told you this, but so I, I go onto the Work the World bus and um, they were like, you have, there are two spots. There was this bunk down here. You can sleep in Bunny's bunk. And I was like, um, I don't mind sleeping in Bunny's bunk because yours was not on the floor. It's in the middle. Because if you, so if y'all don't know, when we do these big tours, they put us on these big ass sleeper fucking buses. And there's there's the bottom bunk that is basically on the floor. There's the middle one, and there's the one all the way at the top. But you have to like climb like you're fucking climbing Mount Everest to get to your fucking bed. I hate that. So, shit. so Darian like- Lake and I don't typically take the top bunk. <laughs> um, so they were like you can sleep in Bunny's bunk because hers is in the middle you can have the bottom one so I was like I'll try Bunny's one I opened Bunny's bunk and Bunny had let chocolate melt on her fucking bunk and there was chocolate all over your pillow and your sheets I was like I can't sleep in this no Monet like, that was the chocolate that was shit <laughs> and I know you don't have a problem with shit because I've smelt your breath <laughs> Um, so I feel it for Bunny to work the world, and and I just I just love Bunny. You're like one of the funny, literally one of the funniest people I know. You crack me up in every way, shape, or form. And this going on this podcasting journey with you, I'm very excited about it. Yes, and I'm representing the old drag community. You're representing, you know, the young drag community, and I really mm-hmm. love the way that you've made a thing for yourself. And uh, I mean, my initial reaction was Monet Exchange. More like Visa declined uh, <laughs> when we did that roast together on uh, All Stars yes. Four or whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And on this podcast, we're basically going to talk about our goal is to a in, in, interview someone that we both find interesting every week, and also um, talk about current stuff going on. Like this week, we're discussing Army Hammer and the gaze over COVID because we both find those things. Well, I find Army Hammer very fascinating, and um, Bunny. Um, I only has- know Arm and Hammer Baker soda toothpaste but well we'll, we'll talk about that because there's an association there and um and then we're also gonna um have calling guests this, this is what i'm really excited about this is that we will be able to have you guys call in and give us comments and talk to us about the things that we that we the stories we talk about on here except no be, predators yeah no, no predators, predators call please, please 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 
Um, so without further ado, let's go into our first segment of with the stories of the day. Headliners. Gays over COVID. Now, these gays over COVID, I have to tell you, they are ruthless and they go in on anybody who has an inkling of doing anything um not within the how what they deem safe safe during COVID nineteen. Well let's you- let's let let's give a little background. Mm-hmm. A lot of this was started. Um I saw a lot of it uh during the summer when gays were being um penalized for going to Fire Island and one yeah. promoter held a party in his home and everyone was shaming them and look, <laughs> I tell you what, I'm not going to parties. I'm not traveling to Fire Island because of safety reasons, and I'm not running around without my mask on either. So yes, of course, I I you know believe the science, um, but and 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 don't want to spread it or get it. But if you work hard and need a vacation, even though I think this is the best time to get it. Well, I mean, can we be honest about what Fire Island is? Fire Island, you know, there are some straight people. There are some older gay and lesbian couples who go out there and just have a home and dinner parties. But it's basically a place where you go where younger, you know, or or up to 40 gays go to get so blasted every Mm -hmm. summer that they end end up having sex in a fucking forest. That's what what Fire Island is. I mean, there's shows and there's restaurants, but they get fucked up enough to go and get have sex with someone they can't see in a forest while ticks with Lyme disease bite Girl, them on their wrists and ankles. I have a okay, in, in case you, if you're listening to this in another country or you're not familiar Fire Island, there's this, there's this place in Fire Island. It's between, so think, think of a long strip island and there's a place called Cherry Grove that's a big community and there's a forest in the middle then there's the pines on the other side. Those, those are the two gay parts of Fire Island. So oftentimes they A, have parties in the meat rack. The meat rack is like, it's like the beach but there's also like trees and the woods it's like a like how, how long would you say bunny like uh, about a half a mile's distance of just trees and forests whatever yes, and then people and oftentimes beach. go there and it's a big thing people go and they hook up in the meat rack they like their intention is to go to the meat rack to suck dick or to get fucked or whatever it is that you do for and, your and you don't need grinder because there's literally a dick yeah, or a butt peeking out of every bush or yeah. behind every tree yeah so and then bunny i had a friend who has sex in the fucking meat rack he lived his life he came back home and then bitch he took a shower i guess he didn't take it the next day but two days later he found a tick under his fucking balls imagine oh no honey those ticks with lyme disease are no joke listen (laughs) i think i saw someone who put this on the internet this way sluts gonna slut Mm -hmm. and you know, I mean, the, the, so we didn't even get into the the the, the Puerto Vallarta thing, yeah, yeah. but there was a Jeffrey Sanker, big promoter of the White Party, who threw a party in Puerto Vallarta for New Year's Eve, and they, you know, a lot of people went. Um, they did go on a boat, which sank, which was a little bit amusing, especially when they put the soundtrack from the Titanic, Titanic over girl, the video. I, I mean. Yeah! The, here there's not it was so good is that from the titanic yes 
Was it a screaming, dying woman? I didn't <laughs> yes, she was actually I... screaming, and she was dying, bitch. Oh, I wish you were. Um, <laughs> but, so anyway, now several drag stars went down to mm -hmm. uh, Puerto Vallarta. Raja and Brooklyn had been down there, I believe. Oh, really? Van yeah, they, they've been back and forth. Uh, oh. uh, Vangie. Raja performs there every year, so I mean, I guess she, yeah, she, has she a loves show it. there. Yeah, uh, Vanji, I think, uh, Silky, I'm told, and Shangela, who I, I before we say anything about this, she is a good friend of mine, I and love she Vanjie. was pictured with, um, you know, shirts off with guys on the beach that 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 were closer than six feet, although. In outdoor settings, the mask is not as important. So she didn't, you know, she did go down there. And I mean, people were saying, oh, she's selling her sanitizer, you know, and, and, and all this. Well, I don't know what she was doing. I saw one photo. But the thing is, this is kind of a personal choice issue. And I said from the beginning of the pandemic that the people who could afford to sit home whether it's for safety reasons or not, or they can work at home or whatever, they are going to shame the people who go out to work. Yeah, I agree And with that. who have to go out to work. Yeah. And so, you know, Detox was shamed for going to Atlanta. She didn't book the party. She didn't tell the guys not to put masks on. How do you... And, and Atlanta was open. So how do you um, sip a drink with a mask on? I mean, you know, I... I you know, they even piled on to detox and insisted that she was a Trumper because we really? yes, because they politicized the, 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 the mask wearing. So, look, there are going to be events when you have to get on a plane and you have to go and see a dying relative, uh, go and bury or take care of the estate of a, you know, uh, you know, do a gig that you cannot afford to pass up as, especially as we reintegrate into this, we've got to, I mean, you flew to London. I'm too, that was your personal choice to do a gig. Mm -hmm. I'm still too scared to do that. You have sex. I don't um, since March, and I'm kind of dying. Okay, not that you don't. You can't. True, true. But, um, well, actually. No I, one wants to fucking do that. No, I had a guy come over here, and he followed me over to the bed. I said, no, baby, stand over there with your mask, and we're going to just kind of, you know, uh, masturbate. And it was okay. I mean, he tried to make it verbal and kind of hot, but I think I killed the moment when I had to turn my hearing aid up. I give him feedback and everything. So feedback, feedback. <laughs> anyway, so, oh, did you say feedback? <laughs> I'm hungry. Um, you're paying me in food for this podcast, right? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. It, the, uh, the Uber Eats is on the way, babe. So at any rate, there people, I mean, look, somebody that's smoking a cigarette is touching their face and not wearing a mask in public. You know, I saw yeah. people spitting on the sidewalk and I was like, gee whiz, could you not maybe curtail that? Like, I mean, th this, this that is spread by droplets, could you maybe not publicly spit? I mean, you know, so I, I saw a homeless guy. 
um, who was eating with his fingers. And I said, oh, kinky. No. And, and I thought, well, what am I going to run over him to do? That may be his only food. He can't afford a mask. What, you know, so it's very easy to pile on people, especially those who we think are drag stars. Um, well, who are drag stars, you know, from from drag race or whatever, who are sometimes presenting themselves as role models and, and are on TV. Also, people are, um, you know, they don't they want to stop the spread. I think their intentions are good and they don't see these as the safest thing. But, you yeah. know, look, I, if the safest thing is to sit at home. Yeah. I made videos with no wearing no mask in a studio with a guy shooting it and an assistant who wore masks. Mm-hmm. I taped a Christmas show with eight drag queens, none of us wearing masks. We, we had to get tested to go to Connecticut and sign something to that effect, you know, when we got to Connecticut yeah, with yeah, a lower infection special. rate. But look, there's going to be situ- – w- there's not one rule for everyone. I mean, like, like – yeah detox thing was was uh, Atlanta was open when she went to perform there and um, so I mean we've got to kind of t- 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 to really think about that I, I'm not I'm not here to shame people who have to work like I get it everyone is trying to make their bag and try to do uh, pay for their homes and and pay for their rent and just live um, and not be you know you know whatever people's financial situations are I just think the, the where it gets weird for me is the vacationing thing because I get it that we all do want a vacation but it's like uh, you going to vacation prolongs this, but we will talk about more. Do you think that this? Do you think that there might be some jealousy involved? I mean, yeah, bitch. I, wish, I was on fucking Puerto Vallarta. I, bitch, I used to go to to PV once a year before Drag Race. I, I went for the past the the January January and February before the uh, three years before I got on Drag Race. I went every year, and it's honestly one of the best places I, I've ever been. The fucking bathhouse, it's all fabulous. So I guess there's a little bit of jealousy, but you know, we'll we'll talk about this more with the Collins later. I want to mention one last Mm -hmm. thing because I've seen some criticisms of, oh, look at privileged Americans um, coming down from Canada and the United States, you know, or Europe to vacation here when PV's uh, coronavirus cases are spiking. Right. Making Mm -hmm. it look, you know, as if it's kind of like a white people against brown people. Now, would you please go and speak with the people of Puerto Vallarta? Because all or, or, you know, I would imagine 70 percent of their income comes from these, you know, people coming from out of town tourism, you know, uh, between November and March. Mm -hmm. So I think you need to ask them. And also, if Mexico were concerned about the spiking case in Puerto Vallarta, they could easily have stopped that party and grounded those flights. Now, if 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 it were not safe for Americans to fly around and I listen, I in no way am I advocating. I mean, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here because I will not fly anywhere. You mm-hmm. know, but and I'm I, I observe the precautions, you know, but I just I I don't know whether it's right to, I mean, you know, how do we know some of these, you know, events weren't like at an outdoor patio serving, you know, cocktails and dinner, you know, with the show? I mean, is that bad? 
It's not bad. I just I, but regarding the tourism thing, I think that these countries are like we need to get this cash. So if people are are willing to come, I think for, you know, the real tea. I think they're like we're willing to put our citizens at risk a little bit because our our economy needs to be stimulated. But you have places like Jamaica, like Saint Lucia, like Haiti that they have shut down any international. You cannot go into these countries. You cannot. I don't know about Jamaica. I know I know Saint Lucia uh, specific. Obviously, I have family there, but you cannot fly into the country. You cannot. Well, you can fly, but you have to do like a every. One has to do like a two week quarantine, regardless of who you are. Bitch, Beyonce can go there tomorrow, and bitch, she's quarantining at a hotel for two weeks and tested before she gets in. Then when she's leaving, to make sure she doesn't have anything. So, and 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 Tamusha is a very big tourism place. Like seventy percent, eighty percent of their money is tourism. People coming in on cruise ships, people coming in on vacation. Um, so I think that it depends on the country. That's like we're not willing to 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 sacrifice our citizens to stimulate the economy like i we're, we're suffering but we're gonna suffer a little while longer because i don't want people to die because of covid infection so i think it's just it's a, it's a country by country thing you know yes but we could and mexico could shut down their flights they have not so as long as those flights are open people that want to they get away go. and aren't yeah. as concerned as others can take them all right the stories girl army hammer okay this army hammer story I wasn't even aware about how deep the rabbit hole went. I just saw it. It was like it was like trending on Twitter. I was like, uh, "Army Hammer." I don't even know. I, I, to be very honest, I did not know who Army Army Hammer was. I didn't either. Um, yeah, I didn't know who he was, and I looked him up, and I realized, oh, he's a guy from "Call Me by Your Name," which it, uh, "Call Me by Your Name" is a very celebrated movie. But it's so crazy. I had never watched it. I watched it in full, like about, even though I had a whole show, Call Me by Monet. I've seen pieces of it, but not, I've never watched the whole film in, in, in its entirety. And it's a really interesting film. Um, I guess it's pedophilia. Uh, no wonder you it? liked it. <laughs> but he's um he plays the older dude and call me by your name and he's the one that the the young kid is in the really engaged in this like weird relationship with and uh so army hammer so army hammer is he, he like bunny bunny said earlier about she knows armin hammer toothpaste well army hammer his great grandfather or something like that is literally armand hammer the person who created Arm and Hammer, uh, baking soda, the toothpaste, all that stuff. So he comes from money. His fucking also family. oil money, oil money, oil money. Yeah, oil money. So they are fucking loaded. Um, and anytime I see celebrities who are really who are rich, like super rich, before they were celebrities. I can't lie. I feel a type of way sometimes. I'm like, let other people get there. But to be fair, they probably he probably got to acting on his own merit. So who am I to discredit this man's talent? You know, he probably well, surely he should be judged by the merits of his ability to perform in these roles. And even though I'm not familiar with his work, something tells me he may not be familiar with mine either. <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, people like it. So, I mean, but, you know, we build them up and we take them down. But what has come to light, uh, and you know more about this than I do, yeah. is that there have been tweets and screenshots and yes. all kinds of damning evidence about, you know, he is a cannibal. And, uh, you know, before we get into such a heavy topic, let me lighten it up with a few cannibal jokes. <laughs> oh God, okay. What is a cannibal's favorite shake? A handshake. What? <laughs> what do Asian cannibals eat? Oh God. Raw men. 
my God. What was the cannibal's go-to pickup line? May I pick your brain? <laughs> and what happened at the cannibal's wedding party? They toasted the bride and groom. <laughs> okay, that's enough cornball. I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet I'm gonna add him all of these jokes and see if he if he if he if he retweets any of them. That's my goal this week. It's to tweet all those at Army Hammer and see if he likes or tweets any of them out. He probably won't. He won't do that. But anyway, there were these disturbing screenshots and 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 evidence, even though a lot of it is disputed. Yeah, these are all unverified screenshots. People took screenshots of these of these messages allegedly by Army Hammer, but again, he has denied all of them, and there is no proof that they are his screen grabs. We just want to make and that we very can, clear. You can create screen grabs that you this want to see, and um, so one of the things that he's alleged to say is, "I am one hundred percent a cannibal. Mm -hmm. I want to eat you." You must live to obey me and be my slave. I will own you. Now, if you take out the cannibal and I want to eat you stuff, that could just be a, a, a domination thing, which, you know, people do not frown on because there's no death or cannibalism in it. You know, that's my soul, my brain, my spirit, my body. Would you come and be my property till you die? Well, now that's a little bit forceful than more forceful than will you marry me? But mm -hmm. don't tell me you have never been with a uh, fine Puerto Rican man who says, "You my bitch now, right?" <laughs> or 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 something to that effect. Like like uh, you know, I, I I met some guy who said, "Not till till you die," but but you know, this dick is yours now, and you know, I'm never. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so yeah. that's not the it's the cannibalism part that's up, and they're they're kind of piling it on. Now, here's one that's a little bit more, if he said it, you know, bizarre. If I wanted to cut off one of your toes and keep it with me in my pocket, so I always had a piece of you in my possession. I mean, obviously that would hint at cannibalism more if he said that. Here is something we know he said. One chick tried to stab me when we were having sex. She never was much good at sex, but she always took a stab at it. No, just kidding. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is this is he he tried to he admitted one chick tried to stab me when we were having sex. The actor told Elle magazine in 2013, "I should so not be telling this story." She was like, "True love leaves scars. You don't have any." And then she tried to strap, stab me with a butcher knife, and of course I promptly broke up with her seven months later so that's a joke kind of thing that he's telling to l now might he be so brazen that he actually does reveal his violent sex life as a joke in a public you know interview he he backtracked from one thing he said in an interview saying that he was drunk but i have to to add one other element here um, so you've already said you were predisposed to not really caring that much about him because he was so rich before his acting career. I, I did he, not care about him. I just didn't know who he was. I, I found out about the richness now that we are talking about him. I had no idea any of this information about him. None right. Well, I mean, we're in a depression. People may resent rich people. Um, but here is something from an article that I didn't get the source of. As Peterson put it, who I think is a, 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 a whoever was commenting, 
depending on the article. Mm-hmm. The the bondage discipline S and M fascination, in particular, provided the sort of seemingly authentic moment that celebrities at once yearn for and fear giving his banal star image the lovable texture it so desperately needed. So in other words, he was dull. He was a star, but he was dull, and that you would both yearn and fear this type of coverage, which adds a texture. So this isn't always seen as bad. And if it's just S&M, Bondage, what was that? Several shades of gray? I mean... Fifty shades of gray. Sometimes we celebrate it, not the cannibalism part. Yeah. Well, I think, well, I think that's where it's getting, that's where it's getting conflated because people, because he has had, he has revealed in the past that he has had, um, very, uh, uh, he has described rape fantasies before. So I think that people are conflating it like, so if you're into rape fantasies and that's just one step before cannibalism, because if you, uh, because he, he, what he said, he said that I, that he's a dominant lover who enjoyed grabbing women by the neck and hair during sex. Um, and, um, he, he, he said this, this is a quote from his Playboy interview. I'm a woman who sometimes likes that. <laughs> I liked. The I mean, you have to admit of... that gays have rape fantasies. I mean, just, you go, I you everyone, go to England. Not, not just gays. Everyone has rape fantasies. Not everyone, but I'm saying like it's it's not just one type of person. Lots of different. I know people my have mom does. Fantasies. Oh my! God. She just can't find any takers at 85. Oh my he said i liked the grabbing of the neck and the hair and all that but then you get married but but then you get married and your sexual appetites change um um he said it's not like i'm suffering in any way but you can't really pull your wife's hair so i guess people are just taking this like his like aggressive sexual nature and just saying that that because you're into that you probably really aren't into this cannibalism thing and that's why we can believe these these screenshots of you um Again, I don't know Army Hammer. I don't know if he really did this. I'm sure we'll find out. But like you're saying, if he is doing this to erase this like boring image of him, is this if if they're using this to like spice him up? This is a very weird approach and a very weird thing to lean into. Um, so I don't know if well, I believe but this that. Again, this again is a is a new way of becoming famous that isn't attached to talent. To, to look at all the stars who become stars by leaking sex tapes. Kim this Kardashian. Look look at look at all of the look at all of the gays who were so ready to defend Britney Spears when she was shaving her head bald on ecstasy, you know, and 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 melting down and saying she's still winning. She's still on the cover of such and such magazine, you know, a- a- every magazine. So, so the Charlie Sheen winning. What's I mean, you know, this is this is this is like a, a, an idea that we have now is that you have to add other facets than your talent, mm. you know, so even if it's someone that you're dating. And 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 the the PR machine has always worked like this. Now look. I don't know any of this. His PR machine could be going on overdrive because, as you mentioned, this has cost him roles. Yeah, he was supposed to be doing the movie Shotgun Wedding with Jennifer Lopez in the in the Dominican Republic for four months, and he's pulled out of it, saying that he can't like leave his kids and his family now with all this going on. He's also, I think, in like a, a custody battle for his kids with his ex-wife, um, with his ex-strange wife, Elizabeth Chambers. So he's like, I can't like I can't leave now. Like, so he's like, well, he's like, he's losing jobs. Well, I have um, some roles he can come nibble on. 
<laughs> oh god i just got sick you mean uh, hard you mean hard <laughs> see that's the army hammer of uh debacle again when we do the collins later we'll get you guys opinions on it but that's where uh that's all we know for now about army hammer i'm sure the story will evolve in the next coming weeks or months or whatever it is but yeah cannibalism have you ever have you ever had a john or anyone uh express any cannibalistic uh 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 virtues during sex with you uh john how you gonna call me a prostitute on our first podcast <laughs> you l- look at me bitch you think i can pay for it i char- <laughs> charge for it uh, oh girl i have i have definitely rented a stripper before and i'm not i'm not ashamed about it oh, it was no, the best no, no, I'm just money teasing. i ever spent no i've never had anything like that um but i don't eat pork and the reason why is that that would be cannibalism. <laughs> that is also why I don't eat fish. Because I am both. Hey, whale fish is pork. a fish. A whale is a fish. Fish pork. I love it, buddy. That's going to be a new lady bunny. Fish pork. I love it. I love <laughs> it, love it, love it. We're going to take a short little break. Then we're going to get some call-ins and get you guys' opinions on Army Hammer, Gaze Over COVID, and whatever you want to talk about. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Bunny and I want to get your opinions about Gaze Over COVID. If you don't know, Gaze Over COVID is this um, Instagram account that has taken to the streets to call out people who are doing... um, who are violating COVID protocols and COVID rules and going on vacation and and like all these, like this big white party that happened in Puerto Vallarta, gays over COVID, like posted all the pictures of people, tagging people. We want to get your opinions about that. And also about Army Hammer. This Army Hammer situation is so confusing. There's so many layers, so many things to unpack between um, cannibalism, misogyny, all of it. So if you have any questions about those things or any thoughts, opinions, let us know. I'm going to play. We have we have a, a, a fan question or fan comment. Here we go. I don't think the gaze over COVID's biggest concern is PV. I think it's more HPV. <laughs> HPV, the human papillomavirus. Girl. Bunny, you know, Bunny, talk to us about HPV. I, I know you have a lot of experience in that department. Yeah, I mean, several times when we were on tour, you showed me yours. <laughs> I mean, listen, I admit it was funny when that editor of the Daily Beast put uh, 
the Titanic music over that boat that was sinking. Yes, that was very funny. It was, it was, that was good. All right, listen to another call. Well, what I'm mind? glad they're catching people because Silky and her ignorant fucking ass deserves to be called out. Anyway, <laughs> love you guys from London. Money, my London sis. <laughs> London Luke, well, my I, people over in London. I love I love my British folk. Y'all you bunny, did you know that I'm that I'm part British? No, and I didn't care either. <laughs> but this is a this is a bigger issue involving work than 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 bashing Silky, who I've never met. But Silky wasn't working though. She just went for fun. Okay. Well listen. I saw this guy named the Funky Academic saying that if we remove the things from our life that make our life not living, worth worth living, mm-hmm. like whether that's going to church, which I would not do, whether that's having sex, which you do, Monet, and I, I sure don't, do. am I going to call you a super spreader? I mean, wait, super spreader, not superstar. I didn't misspeak. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think with the silky thing, what what made that? Yes, you, she went, whatever. But when it, what what made it a little cringe was she came back and she did a live and she was like, "Yeah, I fucking went and I'll do it again." Like it was very that as opposed to just coming back and being like or not saying anything, like uh, fanning the flames and coming back and being like, "Yeah, I went. What y'all gonna do? And I'll do it again." Like to me, that well, is what, what you makes it what cringe. you just. What you just described is exactly what they want from reality TV. I don't know uh, uh, what is Silky, yeah, but Silky. if she's a, if she's a cunt, that's what the forum of Drag Race turned her uh, you know, rewards people for being a bitchy cunt that wants to get into any scandal and be petty and say, "Yeah, fuck you." That is the exact episode. I mean, attitude of you know Real Housewives or Drag Race or whatever. I guess, but I mean, it, I guess, I guess, whatever floats your boat, do whatever uh, 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 makes your makes your pussy quiver. But I mean, at some point, it's like fuck TV. Who are you? All right, listen to another call. Now, what was a gag was there was a photo of this hot doctor getting the the COVID vaccine, but he was actually this random a random guy who impersonated I think like someone somebody in the army. To, for him to get the vaccine so he could go out to Puerto Vallarta because he was at the Puerto Vallarta boat and, and, and at the party. How do, you, how do you guys feel about that? Oh, wait. So some guy pretended to be a doctor to get the COVID vaccine so he could go because he was... I, I mean, I don't I don't know this. I never. This is the first time I'm ever hearing of this, so I don't really... I don't. Do you know this story, Bunny? Yeah, I don't. But I mean... Honestly, in 2021, that does not even sound far-fetched that someone is impersonating a doctor in order to get the vaccine, which that is a whole other topic about people, about the priority of, of, of vaccine getting. That's a whole other thing, uh, uh, the hierarchy thereof. Um, but yeah, p- posing to be a doctor to get the vaccine to go to PV or because he came back. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know about well, that. Well, that's kind of like the trans Queens who get the uh, big silicones injected at a pumping party by a quote doctor using quote medical grade I silicone, know. and then it falls way down in their cheek to where it looks like they have the mumps. 
Well, you know, there is there is that scene. I, I don't know if, if 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 you if you've ever seen it, a show called um, She's Got to Have It on Netflix, which is obviously a recreation of the Spike Lee movie. Um, well, it's it's a Spike Lee had a movie in the early nineties. Um, She's Got to Have It, and they made a series about it on Netflix. And there's this there's this young woman who this this young black woman who gets ass shots at a medical grade. Well, it's, it's not a medical grade. She knew it was like a backdoor thing. But anyways, this, this woman who gives her ass injections and she gets this big fat fucking ass. And there's a scene in the show where she's strip dancing and then she falls off the pole and she slides onto the bottom and her ass explodes and the silicone goes all over the entire room. It's like this crazy gross scene. But yeah, a lot of backdoor procedures for silicone happen and that they need to do some more stuff about that. But I guess there's no way to stop it because people want to get it done and they don't care. They want to get the they want to get it how they can. Yeah, but it's like the you can get silicone in bags or you can get it shot directly in the skin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. not the latter is not the safer. True, true, true. Anyway, thank y'all for joining us on the Stereo app. You guys have been lovely, and we will be doing more on the Stereo app because this is so fun. This is so fun to engage with y'all, and thank y'all for your comments, for your questions, and I will try my best to integrate old Lady Bunions into the Stereo app so she can chat and press voicemails and listen to y'all too. Okay? Oh my goodness, Lady Bunny, we have our first guest, the first official guest of Ebony and Irony. Yes, and it is none other than Linda Simpson, Linda sometimes Simpson. known as the thinking man's drag queen. Linda has been an integral part of the New York City downtown club scene. She had a, a zine called My Comrade, a very popular weekly night called Channel 69. And she wasn't as drunk as we thought she was because she actually had a camera throughout all of those years and now has published a book of her photographs called The Drag Explosion. Welcome, Linda. Linda! Thank, thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, Monet, for having me on your new podcast. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You know, against um, my better judgment and Bunny's, I think we did this and I guess we'll see where it goes. So I was reading your book and reading through the pictures and the images and all that stuff. And I was immediately, for all of the young queer kids listening to this podcast, um, I'm sure there are tens and fives of you out there. Mm -hmm. Um, it was honestly so, so, so exhilarating, like reliving these moments that I would a, never get to experience through your beautiful images and your beautiful pictures. I love this book. Well, thank you so much, Monet. I mean, it's all photos that I took of New York's drag scene in the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. And I, I wasn't a photographer, but like Bunny mentioned, I was carrying around a camera. So I just happened to get a lot of like shots back when people weren't taking photos. So they're kind of rare. They stand out in that way. But yeah. it really was a very vibrant scene at that time, too. And I, I call it the drag explosion because that's when drag really first kind of exploded. I mean, mm. it's it, it not, it's not as major as what's going on right now, but it kind of like set the pace, I think, in many ways. Well, there was a drag boom in the 90s, you know, during from which your photographs come, the 80s and the 90s. And that was, you know, some of the bigger highlights were 
RuPaul's initial success as a dance artist. Um, wait, RuPaul was he, he initially was wait RuPaul was a dance or like for real like he was like carded as a dancer. Uh, Ru is a dancer. She just decided early on in her career that she was not going to be that sweaty black drag queen. Ru could dance. Huh. Yeah. I know that. <laughs> no, Ru got his start. Go go dancing, uh, well, yeah. you know, yeah. on, on a box in, in clubs and at the Pyramid Club, where you know many of Linda's uh, photographs are from. But Linda has loads of photos of pre Glam Squad Ru when we were, you know, all working in clubs together, mm-hmm. all making the same amount of money, <laughs> and all getting our outfits from uh, from uh, from thrift stores, not from not from Matthew and Zaldi with makeup by Raven, etc. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but even then, I think Rue did. I mean, I thought I always thought Rue was very, you know, pretty. I mean, you know, Rue was, uh, you know, um, majestic as a drag queen, mm-hmm. even if she was wearing like five dollar outfits. Yeah. Well, back then, Rue's look was like gutter whore, like yeah. the shortest skirts, you know, bare legs, candies, yeah. and you know, basically like a kind of a long. Tina Turner, not long, but like a almost Tina Turner week, he wore a lot and very heavy um, makeup. Around that time, RuPaul would also, one of the funniest things I think she's ever done was to, well, I mean, she was acting drunk, but she would act kind of drunk. And Mayor Dinkins, uh, a black mayor, was mayor at the time, and she would go on stage drunk and say, I'm Bianca Dinkins, <laughs> the daughter of Mayor Dinkins. I mean, it doesn't sound that funny now, but I was drunk too. <laughs> so, uh, it, but it, it, it actually was very funny. It was very ridiculous, and and we don't always see that 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 carefree, you know, side of Rue now that he is branded as Mama Mentor. Right. But um, who were some of your favorites um, that you remember? Obviously, Paige was a. Mm-hmm gorgeous transsexual model who yeah. was part of our scene at the pyramid club where a lot of these photos immigra- come from <laughs> buddy okay. the wordsmith um well yeah i mean honestly the book does have you know people that are still going strong today or mm-hmm. became famous like you know rue bunny um, you know, yeah. Lipsinka, Lee Bowery, who was an icon, I mean, who's no longer around. Yeah. But most of the people I would say aren't, you know, incredibly famous, you know, you know, to me, they were well known. But a lot of those people were of the moment, you know, yeah. like Paige, who Bunny mentioned. And, um, you know, there's Mistress from Micah and Sweetie. And I mean, all people that really were, you know, big stars at the time. But, you know for various reasons, aren't doing drag as much. Well, Sweetie died, but um, it's not fame-based. You know what I mean? It's more kind of like a scrapbook, you know? And Monet, when did you start doing drag, by the way? I started doing drag in 2012. That was my first inception into drag, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, even since 2012, you know how the scene has changed so much. totally, yeah, 100%. So, you know, imagine, like, back when we, you know, in the 80s and 90s, drag was not, I mean, no one understood drag kind of outside of the nightlife. It's like, you had to kind of watch your back walking down the street because people would be violent sometimes towards queens. Especially if you didn't shave your back. (laughs) And you know what I mean? And that's, and going, you know, in 2021 and 2020, you know, in, in, in in these past few years, kids are 
happily so much more comfortable with being themselves and their expression. But I, I, I just, I, I always want to remind younger kids and younger queer kids, like so many people who a died, who were afraid to even walk around the corner from their homes because they would be brutalized and literally killed for doing the things that we take myself take for granted, like being able to walk down um, 18th street and off of, uh, you know, and, and feel comfortable and not, and not bat, bat an eyelash. Cause I'm like, nothing can happen to me. I'm invincible. I'm queer, but you flash back to 20 years ago, uh, 30 years ago, that was not the case. So that's so interesting that we take those liberties for granted when it was not what people could do back then. It's so crazy. Yeah, it's very true. And a lot of it was just people really didn't understand drag. I mean, they, they, there was a lot of confusion about drag and transvestites and transsexuals. Mm-hmm. And, and there was just kind of like, I think a lot of it was just treated as sort of kind of a perversion. I mean, we were kind of perverted, but 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 we were, <laughs> we, we, but we, but a lot of it was just like this hostile misunderstanding of things. So that's why the drag explosion was kind of interesting too, because drag all of a sudden sort of became, when Rue broke actually, that's when drag became discovered by like the media Mm. and pop culture. And so that was the era of like the daytime TV talk shows. And they were always looking for like- Jerry Springer, which would have, they were so desperate to get drag on there that one time Misunderstood participated in a show called City Queens versus (laughs) Country Queens. And they literally uh, played bass a, a basketball against each other. No. Naturally, the city queens won. <laughs> if, if you guys don't know, Alex, Alex misunderstood is a is a New York City queen. Um, she's she was also in Too Long Fu along with Bunny, um, and um, did a, a did a bunch of uh, movies um, uh, back in the nineties. Uh, Alex misunderstood. I think Bunny, that show that you're referring to, was actually the Richard Bay show. But but there were tons of daytime talk shows, and so no 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 no. You don't correct me on my first fucking <laughs> episode of my first podcast. <laughs> I apologize. Anyways, there were tons of like daytime talk shows and they were all looking for kind of like, you know, shocking subjects. Yeah. So the drag queens would be paraded out and often it was exploitative, but we did get paid for it. And, and it was kind of educational too, but that was just sort of one of the methods that, you know, drag, one of the ways that drag queens were sort of like presented as kind of like more like entertainers or performers rather than just like these, you know, yeah. weirdos hanging out late at night. So well, sometimes so- we, we got on TV from those silly shows as well. Um, you know, but yeah, sometimes they wanted to like say drag is being held up as something new and good from, you know, to Wong Fu. They had, they had, they, they, I mean, this boom ended uh, with a thud, you know, after several years. But, you know, action stars like uh, Wesley Snipes, John mm-hmm. Leguizamo, and um, Patrick Swayze. Uh, Patrick Swayze. Uh, who I just saw yesterday for lunch. He is a delightful guy. Oh my god! Um, and uh, the, uh, <laughs> but 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 I mean, it just drag became a thing to do, and then. Um, uh, every commercial had a drag queen in it, in and, the 90s? And, and, and and straight people, yeah, straight people like huh. picked up on drag as like a fad, and then suddenly that fad was over, and they kind of tried to prolong it by saying, "Okay, now we're going to talk about drag kings," but then it just kind of right. died. So is that why your mo- your 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 book is from the eighties to the nineties? <gasps> 
Well, because I, like you were, like you're saying, I think that there was sort of a, it, it didn't, it, it ended. The, I mean, the drag certainly continued, but like this whole big drag phenomenon that was going on um, with drag queens being used, like Bunny was saying, commercials and music videos. And, um, you know, there were tons of magazine articles and um, these talk shows, etc. And the nightlife, New York's nightlife, was absolutely booming back then. And drag queens were like at the top of the heap. We were the VIPs. So... So there was tons of work and it was great. But after a while, pop culture kind of, or, you know, the powers that be decided that drag was just a trend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was no internet back then. And, so and that trend ended. Yeah. And there was no internet back then. So you couldn't keep your own sort of like personalities going. You were dependent upon like, you know, the major powers. And at the same time, New York's nightlife started dying because of Giuliani coming in and doing this law and order, um, you know, mm. uh, defeat of nightlife. So it was kind of factors that, you know, just um, deflated this drag explosion. Even RuPaul, who had become a really big star, even her career went on hiatus then. Right, yeah. I, I, I want to go back to the book real quick. So two, two of my favorite images. One, Aphrodite on page 68. She is fucking stunning. I don't know where Aphrodite is in the world right now. I don't she's know, in Aphrodite. Minnesota and she's acting. I saw a play of hers um, outside Minneapolis a year or two ago. This beautiful black queen. Like, I am literally obsessed. And also, uh, you 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 title it Eric at my apartment accidental double exposure. I said, well, I want to uh, double expose that fucking whatever that is. That is a beautiful, gorgeous man. And if he lives in New York, Eric um at Linda's apartment, hit me up, baby. Send me a DM. Uh, uh, well, now Monet, I have a question for you. Now, both of those people that you mentioned, you know, mm -hmm. are African American or black. Yeah, and um. Can you tell just by looking through the book that the scene was fairly integrated, you know? I mean, it really was. I feel like back in those days, it was a lot more, I don't know, we, there was a lot more racial inclusion in some ways without us having to be hit over the head to do it. Yeah, I do think, looking through the pictures in the book, I definitely see an array of colors. They are they are black folk, brown folk. What I, I, I do see all of that. Um, but I think that the, but also it's New York City, like New York City in the 90s, how how could it not be? You know what I mean? Like that's, true, just, true. That, that's just what the landscape was. So even when people... Yeah, and since then, since the 90s, a lot of people of color have uh, been forced to move out of New York, of New York City, city yeah. due yeah. to, uh, you know, rising rents. You know, another thing about the, the, you know, the inclusion, everyone loves to go on about inclusion today, but, you know, we worked and we partied with trans people, with drag queens. Mm -hmm. I mean, you never had to tell us to include trans people, and we weren't including them because we wanted to virtue signal. Oh, we actually worked with them, thought they were talented, <laughs> thought they were fierce. Some were bitches, some were shady, you know, whatever, yeah. but we loved them. I mean, yeah. they were yeah. they were they were some of the most special ones. I also also in my mind. So like, there's a there's this iconic uh, footage on YouTube of someone going to the first episode, the first episode to a showing of Dreamgirls um, in Harlem at 
at the Apollo Theater, and it's that and it's that really old footage from like the eighties of this guy recording. So so you know in the eighties, if you snuck a fucking camera into the theater, mm-hmm. it was probably the size of a goddamn <laughs> of, of a of, of of a of a fucking Subaru. So in my mind, I know I I, I may sound a little ignorant, but how big was this camera yes, you that you do. were that you, you were, that you were taking around taking pictures of everyone, and how come everyone was just so into it? Well, um, honestly, mine were just like simple, basic cameras, you know, that I would just stick in my purse. But but honestly, though, taking photos at a lot of these places was was sort of um, a little forbidden. Like a lot of the Mm. gay bars didn't want photo taking at that point because a lot of people were in the closet. You know, if you took out a camera at a gay bar, you would get dirty looks. So I, I honestly, most of my photos are just from clubs, I only took people when they wanted to have their photo taken. Okay. I wasn't like, you know, two paparazzi, maybe a Kate, one or two, but <laughs> but 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 that's why the photos are a little um, unusual, rare too, just because people, it, it wasn't like a photo taking culture like it is now. Yeah. No, you would have like a few, like Patrick McMullen or, you know, uh, Carolyn from Paper. You knew these uh, p- were paparazzi and that the photos, you know, w- you strike a pose for them because you knew those photos may end up in a magazine. And, you know, I got to say, Linda's got some rare photos. You know, p- some people who have passed away from AIDS. And listen, this, uh, to tell you how rare they are, she actually has photos of me. Yes. When I'm that, slim. And, and, when and, I'm yeah, slim. Yeah, you were slim and you had on nails. I'm like, so Buddy has literally just given up. You are not slim anymore. And you, bitch, you are hard. Buddy is hard pressed to even paint her fucking nails now. Honey, listen. <laughs> they call you Sally Hansen because you're hard as nails, okay? <laughs> Whoa. Well, um, uh, yeah, no, um, Bunny is captured in, I mean, we all looked a lot, you know, younger back then, that's for sure. So, you know, um, there's a freshness, you know, about the people that are in the photos also. I mean, you know, I think World of Wonder website posted a photo of Rue um, from my book. I mean, they did. And Wait, um, wait, do you mean that they would uplift Rue as the photo and ignore all of the other queens <laughs> who they don't have a TV show? No, World of Wonder would well, not do that. But, no. But, but no, the thing Linda. is, a lot of the comments, though, a lot of the comments... I thought Rue looked great, but a lot of the comments couldn't get past that Rue wasn't in perfect makeup. Like, you know, today. That's because today's drag fans are hateful, judgmental, bitchy little assholes <laughs> that, that are only concerned with appearance. Monet, is that your experience with the, the fandom? You know, I think that with the rise of Drag Race, obviously there are, there are lots of pros and lots of cons too. And I think that people, they see drag now and it, it, it it's also with social media and like Instagram culture. Like people are expecting this like beautiful, perfect thing all the time mm-hmm. and realize that drag is not that. When you don't see a drag queen on on Snapchat with all the filters or on TV with the hairline blurred and everything, when you see them in real life, you're like, oh, okay, this is what I'm looking at. And I think that uh, uh, the younger kids, they can't get past the quote-unquote filters of what drag should look like, and, and and they're not willing to accept drag for what it actually is oftentimes, which is sometimes rough, mm-hmm. which is not clean-shaven, which is sometimes a hairy back, which is sometimes no nails. Like They, they don't want to mm-hmm. see that. They want to see the perfect mm-hmm. box um, a production of drag and what they see through on TV. And if but, you're but not also, that way, they'll insult you? Oh, 100%. 
like like for example some some queen was was posting how um they wanted to do these drag shows at home and uh and um and and they were really scared to do it a, a, a queen from drag race and she was scared to do it because she doesn't because she couldn't afford to go and film it to, to film her her digital show at like a nice thing and then she was scared to put it out because she knew that if she would put out something in her living room they would read that um her wallpaper was peeling and they would read that um her couch was discolored you know what i mean so she was like so so self-conscious about putting it out because of the backlash of people not accepting that i'm filming this in my home and i don't have the money for a soundstage and a mic and a light and a boom and a disc so i think that all of that goes into this culture of we want the drag to look perfect we want you to be perfect and if it's not we're going to read you and talk shit about you online one thing you said that was interesting linda is that you know it wasn't really a fame-based thing oh and right i have a friend in london who i asked you know do you go out to drag clubs drag uh, clubs anymore he was like not really i mean he and i have been out going to drag clubs since the 80s and he said there's lots of queens that look great but it's like they're all ready to give your uh give you their business card or do a free number to get on drag race and i think back in at, you know like at your night channel 69 where a lot of these photos are from we were glad to be there. We and a lot of the the people you photographed, they weren't necessarily performers. They were just happy to be in a scene mm -hmm. that welcomed them. And a lot of people mm -hmm. would just get in drag for the fun of it, with no hopes of a career in drag. And that made it a lot kookier, you know. So, uh, you know, that, that that another dynamic of that is that, you know, we were in smaller venues where the the performers were not separated by you know, VIP meet and greet. So you would do your number and then you would go to the bar for the rest of the night and develop friendships. And so it was kind of supportive because, you know, even if your number didn't, you know, go well, as yours, Linda's often didn't, um, you know, you, you still had a sense that this is part of our community. We found the right place. These are other nut jobs like me. And, and of course, you know, you know, we, you know, we were in, in, in contrast to the bitchiness that is, that, that may Thanks for good reality TV. We were actually glad to be with each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Drag is a lot more careerist now because there were there wasn't there wasn't really that many places you could go after the nightclubs. I, I mean as far as um, improving your, you know, financial lot or, you know, your fame. I mean, um, uh, so so it was more, I think, yeah, just for the fun of it. We were having a good time. That's why we wanted to do it. Um, and also, like, I mean, in my book, too, I mentioned it was the AIDS era, too, you know, and that really had a major, you know, psychological impact on everything we were doing. We had to sort of be united and, you know, look out for each other, even if, you know, that wasn't said all the time. But also, I think a lot of the reason that the nightlife scene was thriving back then is because it was escapism. It was such harsh times that we really needed to you know, disappear into the nightlife. I mean, that that really drove the club kids scene a lot, I think. They were just really, really nihilistic about the whole thing, you know? One, one quote I want to read from the book, which I, I find really interesting, um, it says, I'll always cherish my formative drag years, and this book is dedicated to all my playmates who joyfully push the boundaries of gender expression. However, not all my subjects identified as drag queens. The trans umbrella was as wide then as it is now. We all wore wigs together. I think that's so important because I think that, yes, we have more language now, but 
back then you're saying that this trans umbrella did not just open in 2020 back then people it it was this big encompassing landscape that you all like kind of fit under it together and you guys all figured it out together and i think now there is this thing where we're kind of pitting queer people against each other where we're like um well i'm trans this and i'm trans that and we don't this this theme of unity unity that you guys had back in the early 90s and 80s is something that I would like to see now where we're all a bit more unified as opposed to putting pitting drag queens against trans folk and yada 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 I really like it agree 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 and you know like when the girls from Paris is burning um, Dorian Corey or Octavia St. Laurent came to perform at Wigstock that was like a major moment like they were stars and we were thrilled Mm. you know that they would dignify us, you know, way down in the East Village with their magic. Yeah, Pat, Patricia Field did a lot of that too. You know, the um, the designer, and she had a boutique back then. But she would throw balls that kind of like melded uptown and downtown, and and that was uh, really cool too. Because I mean, we were there were a lot of different scenes back then. There was a really thriving like transsexual that was the term we used back then transsexual scene in Midtown. You know, that revolved around a few bars, but like at the Boy Bar, for instance. Instance, you know, which was the other big um, drag performance place in the East Village besides the Pyramid. Like a lot of those girls were trans. I mean, you know, drag has often been kind of a launching pad for trans girls, but like mm-hmm. Connie and Chicklet and um, uh, Miss Cody. Cody, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. DeAndre so, was trans for a minute. So there we go. So it was, but it was interesting because we all did wear wigs together, like I mentioned in the book. Yeah. It was just, um, but but it was a, it was a spectrum, certainly. I mean, it probably is easier for people today to have more specific language. Yeah. But but it does sort of mm, set people up to be in different camps that don't mix quite as much. Yeah. Yeah. Linda, I just I just love this book, and I think that lots of queer kids, of all the queer kids out there, should go and read it because a lot of us don't have don't know about the, about the past of nightlife and queerness, and this is just such a beautiful be- beautiful pictures of what that looked like, and and uh, and and to see like all these legendary people who were just at the bars together, just kicking, drinking, and have no expectations of what the future would hold or what the future would be, just just living life. I I think it's just so beautiful, and I love it. Well, thank you so much. If I may do a little plug. Oh my God, if, please. Yes. Sure. It, it, it's, it's the book again, it's called The Drag Explosion. It's actually based on a traveling, uh, a touring slideshow that I do with the photos. Oh, and, nice. um, and it's from um, a publishing company called Domain, D-O-M-A-I-N. And the website is domainbooks.org. But if you check out my social media, um, Linda Simpson, I check, I, I post a lot of photos from my past also what's your social media well linda simpson on instagram do you still have do you still have like a whole bunch of pictures that you have not released or is, is it going to be a part two <gasps> there, there easily could be and and you know what one thing though i want to say though too is mm-hmm. i try to get this clear this isn't like the comprehensive book of the era i mean it's because there were a lot of instances where i was at events and i didn't take photos you know my photo team was random there was a lot of stuff i didn't go to yeah so so it, it, ultimately it's kind of my journey you know but definitely i've got tons and tons of photos there could be a part two part three part four I really think. that many 
Well, not all my photos were good, but I took so many that, you wow. know, they're, that there were, um, you know, bound to be, um, you know, some yeah. good ones. That's kind of like your, your outfits. You had so many that they were bound to be like <laughs> one or two good ones in a career spanning 50 years. Monet, are you sure you want to go through with girl, this? Girl, every minute I, I question myself. I'm like, girl, why are you doing this? Uh, and, and Linda, um, uh, tell us about your bingo night every Saturday. Oh, yeah. Well, bingo's been my shtick for many years. Mm -hmm. So I host a weekly bingo. It's called Linda Loves Bingo. Um, well, and, and now it's called Linda Loves Virtual Bingo. And, um, and uh, I do private parties, too. So it's actually been, I, I have to say, it's been fairly successful so bunny you were a guest on my bingo and so was amanda lapore and peppermint and um animatronic from um sister sisters so but but usually the games um are just are, are without um special guests but but it's fun and it gets a huge cross section you know people from all over the joint and so it's in many ways it's been good because it's expanded my reach yeah well, I mean, I have to say, after doing a lot of Zoom things that where the vibe really wasn't right, even though I don't love bingo, I really enjoy doing it because Linda has hooked it up to where the camera can cut away from her. I mean, that's always going to be good. Uh, cut away from her to show like a Vanna White on The Price is Right, you know, indicating what the prizes are. She has very silly prizes. And then when there is a tie with two people calling bingo at the same time, Linda shows a live feed of them uh, through this Zoom call. And so they tend to... And, you know, then just dance in front of the camera, you know, to determine the tie. And they also dress up on a Saturday night. It's actually become kind of like a fun thing to do on a Saturday night that, that feels more, uh, you know, I, I thought it felt more fun than other Zoom things that I've done because of the little cutaways and extra things and getting to see some of the people in their outfits that that you know you usually don't you just see the speakers so linda's it's giving a, it, production value that's what we like, we like a, production. Yes, thank you. it's like an interactive game show okay. so um and so that's why a lot of the audience enjoys coming too because they often appear on screen too and are just as important in many ways as you know me and my spokesman i like that i, I like that it's more. like it's, it's like it's more like, you know it's, it's definitely better than someone just in like i don't know like a flowy dress um dancing to a 60 song and reading girls i definitely <laughs> like what you're doing linda as opposed to other queens that do that other thing. Lady Monet Exchange. Anyway, Linda, thank you so much for joining us. This was great. Everyone out there, please, 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 please. So is, this is on, um, on Amazon, on all the places, right? Um, yeah, um, um, we, the book um, will be released in late January. It's coming from um, the publishers, uh, the printers, that is. But it is available for pre-order. Yeah, the drag and that's explosion. at domainbooks.org. Domainbooks.org. Yes. The, yeah. The drag okay. Explosion. The drag explosion. It's called the drag explosion. Where can they? Uh, see Linda Loves Virtual Bingo Saturdays. Um, again, my social media will give you all the info. And there is um, an Instagram page. Um, well, you know what? There's even a website. It's called uh, lindalovesbingo.com. Woo! Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, Bonnie.
All right, y'all. This was our first episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. This was such a fun um, uh, uh, conversation about things going on. And I'm very excited about this podcast, buddy. Subscribe. Yes. Oh, yes. We are available wherever you listen to your podcast, uh, which is Apple, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Chromecast. Apparently, some people use that. No, CastBox, whatever it's called. Um, but we're everywhere podcasts are available. Um, we're so happy to be working with Starburns. And yeah, girl, we's doing the thing, girl. Oh, just one question, Monet. Yeah. What is a podcast? <laughs> oh, God. Y'all, I don't want y'all to suffer through this. I'm going to explain to this bitch what a podcast is, and we'll see y'all <laughs> next week. Network.